0: Well, 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 This is Nick Flanagan Weekly. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Nick. This is the podcast. God, I want to change the name. You know, I have this terrible history of just needlessly throwing my name out there into the titles of stuff. I think that was my why my bands were so easy to do, was because I didn't even go by my own name half the time in the album credits. It would be like X Flans X or such. Anyway, this is my real name, Nicholas Benjamin Flanagan, and this is the podcast. Today is part two of an interview with Dean Rispler. I hope you've enjoyed the last couple weeks of episodes. uh, Indeedy O and uh, Maggie May, the week before that, both great people, Uh, would love it. If you enjoy any of these interviews or solo episodes, please share them. Get a friend, tell a friend. Subscribe, rate, review, it really helps. These are hard times for money. I do have Patreon and this ko but you don't have to worry about that unless you're super, super into helping. Money is tight, but honestly, spreading the word would be huge because I am trying to get this going as far as it possibly can go. To the moon, Alice! Today's interview with Dean Rispler is really fun. I had a great time talking to him. Uh a week before I did this other interview and we didn't even get to explanations of his, uh, journey in music, how he wound up playing with members of, uh, the dictators. And finally the dictators, he's a member of which taint right now. And of course he hosts gimme metal on the gimme network radio network, which can be found online. Uh, so yeah, that's Dean. We really keep having fun here. I do hope you enjoy it. And, uh, As always, thanks for listening. Feel free to follow me on the socials, Nick Flanagan Weekly, on Instagram, Weekly Podcast, Twitter, all the other stuff. sure you can find it. It's not that hard. Or is it? Tell me if it's hard. All right, here's my
1: talk with Dean. Hey, whose dog is that? It's your dog?
0: Uh, It's my girlfriend's dog. I didn't know. Where is he? He's right behind me. Uh, It's Charlie. He's he wearing uh, diaper. Yeah, he's 16 years old. He can't. Oh, there you go. Quite as well as uh, maybe. I'm sure he peed before. He's amazing,
1: but he's new. Really cute.
0: Yeah, he's so he's very loving, almost to a ridiculous point. But you know, he's he Being touched. Hi, dude.
1: uh greyhound or whippet.
0: Ah, your first guess was correct. A greyhound. Italian greyhound. Italian greyhound. An Iggy, as I guess they're called. It's a, That's awesome. There's a community of them, apparently. Out there
1: the yeah, way. I have a friend who's Italian greyhound just passed away. He was about, uh, I think, 18 years old.
0: Yeah, Charlie is 16. They live a, a long time for dogs. Awesome. Isn't it weird, though? Like, children, you know, if we had children and they lived till they were 18... Nobody would like that.
1: Well, that's why uh, dogs are able to have children when they're like six months old.
0: That's right. That's right. I didn't think about that. Yeah. I wish. Do you ever think about how in like fantasy literature there were elves and how the whole thing with elves was they lived like 300 to 500 years?
1: Yeah. It's pretty interesting.
0: Would you be an elf if you could?
1: No. (laughs) No.
0: Yeah, because you'd be like, same shit, different, you know, mul- uh, like millennium, different, different century.
1: Yeah. Also, I, I think, you know, <clears throat> I don't, I don't know how, you know, some people always talk about long lives and stuff. And it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I think, uh, I think 60 years is enough.
0: <laughs> oh my God. What are you, uh, what is that? You ever see that movie, Midsommar?
1: Yeah. I like midsummer
0: midsummer had the whole thing where like 70 years old they just throw themselves off a cliff right
1: no it's better in in uh uh, logan's run 30 years old
0: (laughs) yeah or uh, wild in the streets yeah people were were uh is it are the streets wild where you are right now
1: right now no but it's very upsetting what's going on all over i mean besides Minneapolis I mean like I was just watching video footage from where I used to live right in Fort Green I think you've been to that house so I, I have to... yeah yeah right around there it's it's absolutely insane like insane
0: well I mean you know with the way NYPD uh treat people you know um even during the pandemic uh it's I'm not surprised New York would be one of the first people to uh first not first would be among a group of all the states i mean it is just
1: well it's crazy everywhere i mean
0: it's, it's madness it, right now
1: yeah you know. but well, i mean it's like what do you expect i mean like uh it's um it, it you know police you know the police department in 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 america especially it needs to be it needs to be a complete rehaul of everything <laughs> i, I mean, mean it's like it's like th- this is this guy this uh, Chauvin guy who killed George Floyd. Yeah. I mean, this guy was an absolute fucking scumbag who got away with other bullshit so much before this uh, happened.
0: As did another cop in the mix. And I think it's, yeah. re- it's really telling that only he was charged. I think that that says uh, a lot about America's attempt to appease the race problem. You know, it's like, oh, well... This main guy, he's getting, you know, he's getting it, and it's like that is literally the foam at the top of a shit latte.
1: Oh yeah, you know? totally.
0: Like it's, uh, yeah, it's so distressing, and it's, it's, it's funny. It's not funny, but it's like being in other countries and witnessing it, especially being in Canada or any of neighbors. You know,
1: yeah,
0: you're so affected by it, but you're also. Mm-hmm. Uh, on your own thing on I'm you know so there's nothing we can do in Canada besides some sort of solidarity expression but solidarity mm-hmm. got all fucked up by the internet too
1: yeah
0: <laughs> you know like everyone's just reposting and sharing and it's great i mean i i wrote an e- i wrote an email to the mayor i've written our councillors just about local issues but with the us it's like i am bordering on just throwing up my hands and saying I really feel for everybody there but there I I, what am I supposed to do you know just not Mm -hmm. having any hand in things except I was in I was in LA for when that Philando Castile murder (laughs) happened and yeah just heartbreaking I do you remember that period of time under the Mm Obama and also I think Eric Gardner might have been around the same time
1: oh yeah I remember all that
0: it was just brutal, and and for four years later, nothing to have changed, and this type of policing to be happening during a national emergency mm-hmm. is just uh, insanely unacceptable. And and yeah, it does need to be overhauled. And the fact that U.S. is like a mil- the police became a military. The other uh, thing that I thought about with this, which is so hilarious, this is so funny, Dean. As soon as we get together, I'm like, this is where I asked Dean about his whole origins and music and all the bands. And then it's like, no, we wanna, we're living in the moment right now. And yeah. it's hard. And like this is what we'd be talking about if we were at, is Trash Bar still around?
1: No, no, Trash wow. Bar closed. It's, um, uh, uh, it closed a while ago and it was empty for a while. And now it's a boxing gym.
0: So if you're at the boxing gym where a trash bar used to be, this is the kind of having a smoothie together. This yeah. is what we talk about. But yeah, but, but yeah what I was going to say is just, what you're talking about is really something that I've been thinking, which is that the, right now, the police, especially in America, have treat criminals like second class, criminals, lawbreakers, potential suspects as second class citizens. Their lives are worth less than other people's lives. I only say this because nonviolent crimes, if you run away, they're gonna maybe shoot you. you know, they're gonna maybe grab you and put their knee on your neck until you yeah. die. And it's just, to me, that, that makes no sense because when you sort of destroy the rights of people who, on a moral level, uh, you know, maybe the mob would think don't deserve rights. It's you're actually starting. That's start the beginning of the erosion of rights. You know. Yeah. And it's uh, yeah, and and so the us versus them thing leads into that, where it's like we must neutralize the situation. You know. So
1: yeah. In ter- in Canada,
0: you know what the military just did? This is the difference between the military in the
1: U.S. and Canada. What's that?
0: They went into old folks' home in Ontario and. In, inspected the conditions and uncovered horrible uh abuses of like and 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 slu- like slummy conditions in in uh care homes. That's that's what that's what our military is doing. Hey, that's good. I know it's it's like the proudest I've been to be Canadian in in a while was here. That's, that's what we're using the military for. Well, that's some great. of it at least. There's a lot of bad stuff we're doing too. But how are you besides the whole world, uh, you know, being topsy-turvy? How's your world?
1: It's okay. I mean, uh, um, uh, still, you know, getting used to living here and um, uh, dealing with some personal uh, health issues, which isn't so much fun, but it's not so bad. It's it's just a pain in the ass. But other than that, um, it's okay. It's OK. I mean, I mean, it just, you know, as you know, it's totally fucking weird times, you know, it's and so and it, it's besides weird times. It's like I was in I was already in a weird situation moving somewhere, moving to a new place yeah. during these weird times. So, I mean, as far as uh, living here during a quarantine situation, it's great. But I mean, I don't know what it's going to be like when things if and it where if and when they get back to normal, you know? Yeah,
0: I, I think that that's the big question for so many people, it is for me. I mean, I, I, I this week was rougher for me, I think mentally than like other weeks and it worries me that exponentially this is just gonna be how it is, you know? That's something uh-huh. I'm paranoid about and, and trying to employ the tools that I've got to try to stop but sometimes it's just because right now I think anger and, and uh, feeling like you can't do anything. are just like, that was this week for me, you know, whether it was just seeing the amount of people not really honoring kind of physical distancing mask shit, just yeah. out and about, or obviously all this turmoil uh, in the U S and, and in Canada, there's some stuff in Toronto happening right now too. And it's just like, and, and then occasionally just blinking my eyes and going, wait a minute, is are all of the things I liked doing like that I was sort of making money doing, is that just like done? Like, I can't even work as a fucking usher anymore. (laughs) You know, like, like, and then, you know, it's, but there's, the great thing is those, those, I'm very lucky. You know, I have someone I can turn to and we can be like, oh, we're both sad. And then you go, oh, now we feel a little bit better. I'll tell you last night we watched, uh, we didn't finish it, but we watched that movie in America, the American friend. By Vim Vendors with uh, oh, so Dennis great. Hopper,
1: it's so fucking
0: great. killer, and yeah. we haven't finished it yet. But it was just like I forgot. It's just like when there is a movie like that that completely takes takes you out of your world and puts you into this other world, this other mm-hmm. story. It was just, it was exactly what we needed, you know. And yes. and
1: and yeah. So, so hmm that movie's amazing. I love that movie.
0: I couldn't believe it. And then the director, Sam Fuller, has a cameo appearance in it. And, mm-hmm. and I didn't even realize that. And um, are, you, are you immersing yourself in, in, in uh, culture stuff during this time? Like watching um, things, well, listening uh, to things?
1: I mean, uh, I guess. I mean, we, uh, we watched uh, Buckaroo Banzai last night. <laughs> cool
0: I've, i don't think i've ever seen that
1: you it, never saw buckaroo bonsai
0: is that a, is emilio does he play buckaroo who Who plays buckaroo
1: peter weller peter weller
0: okay that's it's no way
1: it's like peter weller jeff goldblum um ellen barkin wow um, who else is in it rosalind cash um Clancy Jones, who who's, I love.
0: Who's Clancy Jones?
1: Clancy Jones, he's... Um, you've seen Highlander? Yes. He's the enemy in Highlander. In oh, okay. Yeah, like, cool. He's awesome. Yeah, it's great. It's a really great movie.
0: Uh, is that one of your favorite genres? Kind of like the uh, cult-y, pulpy, uh, science fiction, fantasy yeah, horror like, stuff?
1: Yeah, I like that. I mean, I'm... We, we mainly try to watch you – know, I'm a huge horror movie fan, so I, I try to watch horror movies as much as possible. But for what's available, on, even with all the shit that we got, you know, with Netflix and Shudder and uh, Prime and Hulu and all that, I've seen a lot of them. I've seen uh, a lot of them, that, I've seen a lot of them that, were, that are worth seeing. There's plenty out there that's not worth seeing. You can yeah. waste an hour and a half, two hours watching garbage, and it just sucks.
0: Yeah, and it's like I I do think that you know the '80s was really the high point, and '90s actually too. But but the high point of uh, great camp, almost camp horror that wasn't quite camp because it was super gory. Mm-hmm. Uh, basket Case, I guess, would be in that category. And and uh, for me, my horror obsessions were probably the TNA ones because I was a teenager. But like Linnea Quigley movies. Yeah. Uh, Night of the Demons, you know. Yeah, uh, I love that stuff. Yeah, because they had really hard working, they were either so cheesy that it was ridiculous or uh, the actual uh, special effects and practical effects were really good. You know, like, like I feel like Night of the Demons had some good special effects if I
1: recall. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I mean, that, that's when you're talking about the 90s stuff, that, that's where things started getting a little wonky because it was the be- really the beginning of CGI. Yes. And also um, in the nineties where the beginning the nineties was a lot of style over substance. Yeah. Which I hate, which I hate. It was, it, was, <clears throat> it was the same thing across the board with, with music and movies. Um, in the nineties, late eighties, early nineties is when it was like the, that was like the, um, the, the, um, how do I say it, the, pin- the pinnacle of, 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 of music videos? Right, yeah, it was. And, now, and, and, and music videos at that time, like people would make music videos and someone would say, oh my God, look at this awesome three minute music video that this guy made, he should be a director.
0: Well, I mean, <laughs> so, yeah.
1: So, so, so this director who had this really cool ideas to do in three minutes with a music video, was hired to do all this fancy shit for uh, horror movies and it just fucking sucked because it, <laughs> sure sure some of them looked great but they it had no substance whatsoever like I they, mean you could even take style that. Of a What's that?
0: You could take that over to even as early as 1987 probably even 1985 um, not to be smirched, the dead but you know Tony Scott to me was someone who I never quite got Sometimes, some of his movies I love. I think he directed uh, Last Boy Scout. I fucking love The Last Boy Scout. Do you like The I, Hunger? I didn't see The Hunger because yeah. I always thought it looked like a music video, but is The Hunger Amazing. killer?
1: Amazing.
0: Okay. So, okay
1: that's his like, best movie.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, I think it was mostly Bad Boys, which he directed, and I remember trying to watch Bad Boys and just being like,
1: I can't. Yeah. I can't, Tony. What and, about uh, uh, Top Gun?
0: Well, that's a classic in its own way. Yeah, it's I, like, I
1: hate that movie.
0: Yeah, it's like. But when I say a classic, I mean like a Sunday afternoon on TV. Top Gun's on. This is what it is. Like yeah. I don't. I, I view it neutrally, you know. So, so it's like a Forrest Gump type of movie. Like people I fucking
1: hate. That's like one of my most hated movies yeah. ever. Forrest well, Gump. Played.
0: Yeah, I I know many people who hate uh, Tom Hanks a lot. I don't
1: hate Tom Hanks. I just hate him in. I just hate a couple of movies he's been in. I hate Tom Hanks and I hate fucking Forrest Gump. And I fucking hate, uh, The Terminal was almost as bad. <laughs> I've, see, I've
0: seen The Terminal. I, I don't it,
1: know why I've seen it. The theaters. <laughs> I saw it in the theaters.
0: <laughs> why did you see it in theaters? Were you like touring and just had time? You
1: know, I, was, I, I was in Florida uh-huh. and with my uh, an ex-girlfriend and we were like, let's go to the movies. We saw a lot of bad movies. Like uh, the two of the worst movies I've seen, we're in Florida on vacation. I saw uh, um, uh, the terminal, and there was another time we were in on vacation, and we saw um, signs. The M Night Shyamalan movie. Another one I skipped. So he's, he's the worst. He's the worst.
0: I liked in unbreakable and the sixth sense when they were out well, the sixth
1: was great when it came out yeah, yeah that was great. but
0: but then i kind of got off the train because i understood what he was kind of doing and i was like
1: this is going to be the law of diminishing returns for sure oh yeah and the only thing uh, worse than signs was the one after that the village <laughs> oh,
0: uh but but the terminal to get back at it is uh, I feel like Tom Hanks is basically just playing Tony Shalhoub in one of the most underrated comedies. I, and it's set in New York. We're talking about Quick Change with Bill yeah. Murray. And and Tony Shalhoub's got that character who's just like, Bluff Tony, Bluff Tony. And, and that's Tom Hanks in the terminal. He's just like, oh, the, I, I just want, I live in the airplane place and I just want to go, but I don't know how to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a lack of you know, like. It's terrible. Yeah, Steven Spielberg has really unleashed some some trash on the world. There's no getting around it. You know, and some good stuff.
1: Well, I mean, to this day, you know, you could watch Jaws over and over and over again. Still yeah, little...
0: Jaws is so incredibly cast, though.
1: Yeah, you know. But I, I also mean... love uh the first, the first yeah, it, Indiana Jones movie.
0: I like the first and the
1: third Indiana Jones movies. Yeah, those, those are the are, best ones. Yeah, the,
0: the second one is the one where uh, did you, I think it was um, Spielberg was, and, and Lucas were both going through terrible uh, marital problems mm-hmm. at the time of uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I get the feeling maybe they were under the influence of certain substances at the time,
1: uh, because- But I that, but I, I, I it, just, the, just the, under the influence of bad marriages is bad enough.
0: yeah they were under the influence of bad marriages and just being like you know what the 50s was super racist let's just keep that going (laughs) (laughs) let's just let's just do the ultimate homage to like all this shit you didn't want in those movies yeah so you know did did you in new york growing up like have do all that sort of Times square movie going seeing no. these crazy movies no, I, that,
1: that, I was i that was a little i was a little too young for that you know when but uh and by the time i was old enough to go to those kind of movies you know in in on in Times square and stuff it's like it really wasn't that attractive at the time
0: it seemed repellent it's an area you know even before yeah.
1: it was changed yeah. over I mean, in the '80s, I, I, first of all, I didn't go to Times Square that much. There was really no reason to go there, uh-huh. you know. So I wouldn't hang out in Times Square.
0: Where were you? So where I, were your Where were your haunts? What were you doing in the, in the early '80s? What was I think we left off? That not you were the
1: huge. early early '80s. I mean, I well, well, I was I was a teenager in '80. You know, I start, became a teenager. Or, you know, like well, I was thirteen and eighty three. So. But I wasn't really coming into the city that much until I was like 15, uh-huh, like 85, '86. But at that point in my life, um, I was, you know, uh, just obsessed with music, so I would just go see bands and I would go buy records. So if we would go to the movies. If we were in the city and we would end up going to a movie, it, it would be downtown. It would be uh, either East or West Village. So, so um, we wouldn't, we wouldn't, there was no reason to go hang out at Times Square.
0: There were no shows I wasn't, I, or I, record stores I, around there particularly?
1: Yeah, there was nothing for us to, you know, don't get me wrong. Times Square was crazy because you go down there and you could, it's like a, a fucking circus, you know, just, and you right. could walk around, just look at stuff. But I wasn't interested in that. I wasn't interested in that at all, you know. Like, I became more interested in that at, later on when I got a job during college up on Forty Third Street, right. and I was around the corner from Forty Second Street, so I'd always be walking there. And it was like uh, it was like walking through like a, you know, like a peep show museum. You know, you just walk walk through, <laughs> you see all this shit going on that's crazy right in front of you, but you, no one bothered you unless you were like actively searching stuff out if you're actively searching like uh you know drugs or hookers and stuff no one would bother you you know that's the only way people would bother you is you're actively like looking for right. hookers and, and 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 drugs but so you could walk through it and just like see it and it's all crazy but um when i was when i was a teenager i had no interest in that whatsoever like i mean i my my interest is everything was downtown you know it was like and, and the movies we would go to when we were younger would be like, you know, uh, um, I don't even remember. Like, you know, like I went to see Rocky Horror Picture Show when I was really young. And um, that's all. I was all downtown in the village, you know. Did you
0: ever go to like see John Waters movies when they'd come out and stuff? Or was that no, not your bad No, downtown? I like
1: that stuff a lot, but I never went to go see it in theaters.
0: Where were you seeing shows in the village? Like, where, well, what we record store? I used to go to the Ritz
1: a lot. I saw a lot of shows at the Ritz. Mm-hmm. The Ritz was great. Um, as far as small, you know, those are somewhat smaller shows. There was the Ritz, there was CBGB's, there was. Um, uh, what else was there? Um, it's hard to remember. It's been a long time. I saw a lot of shows at the Ritz. Like, and I think my first show. In the, at the Ritz, was 85 or 86. I saw the replacements. Cool. How it was, was it? Great. Amazing. That what was, era of replacements is that? that was, uh, well, I saw the replacements with, when Bob Stinson was alive. I saw him five times with Bob. So, uh, um, so that was uh, the Tim tour, I guess it was. Cool. 86. And uh, Richard Lloyd Band opened up. Awesome. And um, I saw Who's could Do? Couple times. How were
0: Hoosker do live?
1: Great. I saw Hoosker do with uh, the opening act was Dwight Yoakam.
0: I love it. He's, yeah. a, he's a punk. Everyone is he a punk? What's his deal?
1: Dwight Yoakam? No, he's <laughs> just a country guy. But was, the best part is Dwight was so good that we went to go see Dwight on his own at the Ritz like a few months later.
0: So why? How was Dwight? What is what? I always associated Dwight Yoakam with you know. The, the 90s sort of the beginning of new country but but what was it like what was he doing in the 80s what was it like
1: well it wasn't new co- it, hit, hit, hit. it was almost retro country what he was doing
0: well no i mean i did i paid very little attention yeah. besides i think he was in uh, sling blade was he the one who was in sling blade
1: i don't know yeah no he's an actor i know he's been in a yeah, bunch of- i think he was in sling blade but um uh he, he's he was great and uh yeah i also i saw steve Earle. you know steve Earle. Oh, yeah. I saw Steve Earle open for the replacements as well. I didn't realize,
0: like, were the replacements big fans of of country then? Like, was that the explanation of that? Like, what put these two band, two acts together?
1: I don't know. I I guess at the time they were, uh, you know, they were just mixing stuff up. That's cool. Because that was, at you know, around the same time that, like – you know, we saw, we also saw Los Lobos a couple of times and Los Lobos was a band was like, they were throwing on a lot of punk gigs because they were, they were on slash records, you know, yeah. so, um, and they definitely weren't punk, you know, but they were great. They were awesome.
0: That's a, a really interesting to me. The, um, the eighties kind of linking together all these different bands that were just, uh what you know whether it was the meat puppets or the replacements or or butthole surfers or whisker do they were linked by or ween you know they were yeah. linked by record labels like yeah. independent ones primarily and uh and and it, it all led to you know like you could probably trace a band like Wilco you know even back to that scene like commingling you know I yeah. would assume and and that's great to me, you know, it really Yeah,
1: but I mean, it, that all started way earlier, you know, mm-hmm. that started way earlier in England. And, and then, and then uh, America tried to jump on that bandwagon too. What, what happened in England is uh, um, they, in England, the, the reggae scene was really linked with the punk rock scene. Yeah. So uh, in England, they would have like reggae bands open for punk bands all the time or vice versa, you know, mostly, mostly reggae bands opening for punk bands. Like, they'd have like, you know, Third World opening for Johnny Thunders, you know. Right. Stuff. So um, American promoters started doing the same thing, especially in New York. I know in New York, they did that a lot. In New York, even in the 70s and 80s, they would have like a reggae band playing with punk bands.
0: That's great. I mean yeah. that's that's like the, the one of the most important things is musical cross pollination. We were talking about that I think the last time we were talking just about mm-hmm. you know how the genres that we weren't into kind of led to at least slightly more interesting you know art that was that it, that interpolates it. I just mean yeah. you know uh, the, in, in the modern in the modern times.
1: Yeah. But Yeah. But I, and, I mean, no, I, sorry. No, no. I'm saying that that's what. You know, punk, going to shows like that, you know, going to shows like that is what turned me on to other stuff, you know, like, you know, uh, you know, like I wouldn't have never have gotten into, I probably would have never really gotten into reggae if I wasn't into like Bad Brains at first, you know. Right. You know, know, I was like, I wasn't, uh, you know, that was my, you know. Besides the radio, you know, regular radio.
0: Which would have been more pop, not pop, popular reggae, so stuff like Pass the Duchy or whatever, right? Well,
1: yeah, I mean, besides that, it was like- Bob Marley. I listened to rock radio, so once in a while, rock radio would play a Bob Marley song. Yeah. And I, th- I think my first, I think the first time I heard, like, a Bob Marley song was probably in the 70s listening to the radio and hearing Eric Clapton's version of I Shot the Sheriff.
0: Yeah, which I guess is another thing about, uh, uh, you know, music that I love, which is just covers that make you know about some other things. Like, I'm so used to hearing albums and being like, wow, this is like the best song on the album. And then I look it up and, oh, this is not by (laughs) now. I think that happened with Nirvana a couple of times for me where I was like, you know, this song D7 is like the best shit I've ever heard. And then it's like, oh no, that's The Wipers. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, true. That's the same thing with, uh, yeah. That's like when I heard Molly's Lips by. I was like, oh, the Vaseline's. I like that band better.
0: Yeah. Great example of of it is is Molly's Lips. Yeah, for sure. But it's awesome. On the other hand, it's so awesome to do that, you know, to kind of be like, making money, helping make money for artists who aren't always, you know, well-known or, or, you know. uh, The one I remember the most was uh, Killboy Powerhead being covered by The Offspring and uh, The Digits kind of being able to be a functional band in part because of.
1: Well, you know, yeah, he definitely made a lot of money from that. Yeah, yeah. Let's get some of it.
0: How can we get some of Rick Sims's money? (laughs) Email him i don't know so from there just going to all those shows it was just like you were becoming involved and were you already playing in bands or getting together with your friends and playing
1: well i was playing with friends at at home and stuff you know like in stupid you know like i mean like in high school and stuff i i it's funny in high school i'm still friends with a lot of these guys um and uh, we, we would play together, but all of them, you know, we were, we were playing, we were basically like Rush cover bands. Right. These guys, all these guys were obsessed with the Rush. I mean, I love Rush too. I grew up on, on that, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. Right. But because they were the only guys locally to play with that I knew, that's what we'd end up playing. So um, I did get, I, m- I remember... Throughout high school, later we got in high school. The the more I was able to convince them to do other stuff. <laughs> so, uh, but nothing, nothing. You know, it was, it was high school stuff. It wasn't anything too interesting. But um, um, but I was playing. You know, or, you know, I d- I did learn a lot.
0: Were you playing the- guitar? Like, what was the order of instruments learned?
1: I started as a guitar player, and then mm-hmm. um, there weren't many bass players around. So I played bass for a couple of different things, but then I went back to guitar and then I was playing guitar for a, a while. And then when I, when I was at college in when I was at college in at NYU, I had all these friends who were guitar players and there was no bass players around. So I started playing bass again. And then get, as a bass player, it was easier to get, get, gigs with bands and stuff so that's how I sorry that's how I ended up in in Karen Black
0: so they were just like "Well, we got a guitar player
1: well the, I, I went to do. I went to go see the voluptuous horror of Karen Black and then um, it was a great show it was really fun and then after the, like less than a month after the show this is 1992 yeah nineteen ninety two. Like less than a month after the show, I was looking through the Village Voice. This is, you know, pre-internet. So in the back of the Village Voice was just personal. You know, there was like the band ads for bands looking for drummer, band looking for guitar player, all that kind of stuff. You know, of all course, stuff. yeah. So then it said Karen Black searches uh, for bass player and drummer, and I'm like, wow! I just saw these guys. It was a total blast. Let's see if I could do this. So that's oh, how. It is.
0: And then, what was it? A classic audition you just kind of go into the room jam with them they're like this worked hang out
1: well i I, first i went to the guitar player's house and played with him and he was into it and then we had a rehearsal that was kind of a mess because uh the rehearsal room everything was broken (laughs) (laughs) so like so then so then we had a rehearsal in a better room and then that went that went great and uh but and the drummer was amazing but then the drummer after two rehearsals, drummer I'm still friends with. Two drummer uh, ended up joining another band. Right. He was like he wasn't into it. And, he up, and then Karen Black was like, "Oh, we got to get JP Patterson from the Dictators and Manitoba's Wild Kingdom to be in this band," and that's how JP got in that. And then you know JP and I have been pl- that's in 1992. JP and I have been playing in bands together since then.
0: So Karen Black was a, a real jump off point for you then.
1: Like oh yeah. That, yeah. That was a, a catalyst. It sounds like for. Totally. Totally. I mean, I mean, I, I had only played in New York city. I had only played one show with another band before. And it was like a, a you know, like a, a band I was fill. I was playing bass. I was filling in. because their bass player was sick. And we played one show, you know, and, uh, and then, But I never played in bands playing out. So then, like my first show with Karen Black in New York City was sold out show on July fourth, nineteen ninety-two at CBGB's.
0: (laughs) That's so cool.
1: Yeah, (laughs) you must have been just like that was a great way to start.
0: That's going to keep you in rock music for the rest of your
1: life, basically. That was a great way to start. Definitely a great way to start.
0: But uh, why was it such a blast seeing them? Like, what was their live performance like? I've, I've unfortunately, you know, I, I had the opportunity probably to see Voluptuous Horror of Care. How long were you in the band for? From
1: 1992 till uh, close to the end of 1995.
0: Right. So maybe I would have had a shot if you did. Did you play Toronto with the band?
1: Yeah, we played, um, we played uh, the Opera House. In- yeah. We played with uh, Armed and Hammered.
0: Yes, I know them well. My friend and bandmate Allison Baker uh, was in Armed and Hammered for a time. Maybe she yeah. played with you. I should see if she played that. I
1: don't think so. Band. I don't think there was a female in the band when we played with them.
0: Mopa Dean. He was the host of a, the singer in Armed and Hammered was a host of a, a punk college uh, radio show cool. that I loved. Yeah. And yeah, I have
1: one of their singles that I bought from them when we so. saw.
0: Yeah, they were, they were one of the first local punk bands I saw for sure. I mean, that was the most welcoming scene for me. Yeah. Was first I was kind of going to the indie band shows. I never really stopped going to those. More like alternative, you know, melodic stuff. But then when I went to kind of the drunk punk shows, uh, for lack of a better word, that was the genre in yeah. in Toronto. It was what you we, we would call market punk. Kensington Market yeah. was the center point. So you'd start with a bunch of fucking goofs, and then you'd go on to. You know, Submachine from Pittsburgh would be a band that would often come out and play. And then there were these Montreal bands like.
1: Yeah, well, we, yeah, we played we played the Opera House and then we played uh, we played three shows up there. We played Opera House, uh, Zafod Beeblebrox in. Um, well, in, in Ottawa. Yeah. Ottawa. And then we, that was a really weird show because we show up and. Um, and the whole crowd, it was packed, but the whole crowd sat on the floor. Like they weren't like, it wasn't like a regular, we were all weirded out. Like this is going to be weird, but they still loved it. It was like, it was still a great show, but nobody got up. Like they all just sat down. It was really bizarre. I
0: was at a few floor type of shows at Sneaky D's, not so much for music like Karen Black, but for more, uh, you know, like K records type of stuff, you know, like the, like shoegaze kind of thing, you know, like sitting down was definitely, it must have started
1: in Olympia. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like it, it, really, it was really weird that was really weird but it was still a good show and then we also played uh club soda in montreal
0: yeah where i've uh seen a lot of my friends do comedy at. you know yeah. it's it's uh but but yeah like karen black i'm pretty sure i had the opportunity to go to yeah. that show at the opera house but i was a little scared of 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 seeing karen black uh, because i just didn't know i don't think that's what stopped me i'm sure it was the ticket price but <laughs> you know uh for a 13 or 14 year old you know but but uh it, it was something where i was like what does she do she has this like she it, it just kembra's deal seemed so wild that i was almost like what am i gonna see you know, yeah, and, you know it was and really
1: like, fun it was it was it was uh it was really fun and really funny like um the best way to describe it was like was the way that they described it, it was it was like uh it was like Budo theater as done by like a first grade pageant. (laughs) It was like, it was like, it was like, you know, there was props and like a weird story behind every song. And, you know, the, the camera and the performers and her, the dancers and performers in the band all had, they all just wore body paint, you know, and crazy makeup and wigs and stuff. And there was all these like, funny props made out of cardboard some of it was done really well and some of it was done really kind of stupid, but it it, it was fun. It was really fun. It was a fun show. And um, I was glad to be a part of it. The problem was that it didn't grow musically. Like we had we had a couple songs that were cool. They had a couple songs that were cool and we tried to add to it, but they, they musically, they, they just didn't, it didn't grow. It didn't go anywhere. So it was sort of like, sort of like, it was sort of like the band that you had to see once, and then you didn't really have to see it again.
0: Right. I mean, I would it, see Guar a million times, but I only saw Guar once. So maybe what you're saying
1: is, yeah, like, it's, it's exactly like that. It's like it's 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 not it's not like it was going to get musically any better. Though 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 Guar did get a little musically better later, um, but this wasn't getting any better. Like no one was pushing the envelope and no one was no one was i hate to say it no one was really good enough you know right. like musically yeah they, they like like some actually Samoa the guitar player is a great guitar player but he he just didn't he, he wasn't really caring so much like he 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 would just seemed after after the after we went on tour seemed as if like we were, we were just going through the motions
0: like, would you say he wasn't caring
1: that much, well, maybe. Okay.
0: Karen, <laughs> maybe. maybe. Uh, don't you miss seeing me do comedy? Don't you miss?
1: <laughs> I do. I do. You,
0: when was the last? I feel like you have seen a couple of shows of mine.
1: I, I only think. saw you once in, in New York when you came. Where to- was it? Like Rafifi or something? Some place on like Sixth Street or Fifth Street. Something. Some like. I don't remember. Like I don't remember where it was. I went with Bill and Neil. Maybe Bill Florio and Artie. I think. Yeah. Artie, yeah. City. Long time ago.
0: Yeah, you guys were buddies doing that, you know. I was just glad to have you there. And it's, I i, uh, oh, I miss, I just did some stand-up on, in, uh, on the last trip there. But I don't know, man. I don't know when the next one is going to yeah. be. I hope it's soon. Where I might you, do.
1: Where were you the last time you were
0: there? Uh, Littlefield,
1: actually. Oh, okay. okay yeah, nice.
0: Dave Hill hooked me up with the show at Littlefield.
1: Okay. Yeah, Yeah. I, I think saw, uh, I did one other show. I only saw one show at Littlefield, and it was uh, the Avengers.
0: Oh, <laughs> recently then, yeah.
1: Well, that was like five years ago.
0: How were the Avengers 2000? They were great, and it was a
1: really weird show because it wasn't well advertised at all. Uh huh. Like you know, me being in the scene and kind of knowing what's going on, I didn't even know about it till like two days before. Like a friend of mine's like, "Oh, you're gonna go see the Avengers?" I'm like, "You're playing?" He's like, "Yeah, they're playing at Littlefield." I said. I didn't even know about, I didn't know about this. I'm an Avengers fan. So I went, there was nobody there. There was, it's just, you know, it's a big place. Yeah. And there was maybe 40 people there and they were great.
0: That's so cool. I mean, that almost reminds me of the show that I saw you and uh, Dick Manitoba uh, perform at at the Horseshoe because there used to be these Sunday night shows every month or two where they would bring in, you know, pretty legendary often 70s 80s rock bands like punkish or or close to i remember i saw grant hart there oh yeah solo and he just played no band just him and his guitar it was great it was great seeing him yeah perform never talking to you again just live, like just him you know and uh you guys and i think i saw a couple other acts and they were never too heavily attended they were never seemed like they were heavily advertised but in toronto you don't need to advertise to the crowd that's going to come to that like you know who there there are some lifers in this city you know bopping around
1: it's funny that those few times i played the horseshoe tavern i was so psyched to play because it's like you know the cbgbs of toronto sort of yeah but and they were very nice and treated us really well and we always had a good time there but both those shows we played there, or I think we played there two or three times. It, it was, both times were sort of disappointing, especially, com- especially compared to playing Hamilton. Oh, yeah. Hamilton was amazing. Or
0: Montreal, probably, too. We
1: didn't play, you know, dictators oh. didn't play. When I was in Dictators, we never played Montreal. We only played Hamilton, uh, London at Call of the Office, and Horseshoe Tavern.
0: Yeah, Toronto is, is one of those cities where it's just, it's kind of fickle you know, in terms of, uh, of what has people excited in any given moment and mm-hmm. what scene is gonna go to where and who's, what's getting advertised, like you are saying with the Avengers. And, mm-hmm. you know, I
1: remember being at that
0: Manitoba show and just being like, this is really good. Or the Grand Heart Show. Neither of those shows were that busy, you know? And it's just- Yeah, I'm
1: just, I'm, I was just surprised because, you know, we, we basically had a super packed show in Hamilton. Yeah,
0: yeah. well, Hamilton is such a, such a rock, you know,
1: But now that that club's gone now, too.
0: Fucking sucks. But you know what? Let's build it again.
1: See what happens.
0: I'll get together with you. It'll have to be before you're 60 because you've decided that's when life needs to end.
1: Yes. And uh, so,
0: you know, in a few years and we'll we'll go brick by brick. I have no idea how to lay brick, but we'll figure (laughs) it out.
1: We don't have to lay brick. We just have to find another place for sale. Oh, God. Yeah. I was just in an
0: area. I had a... Yesterday, I was we had to drop something off in this area of Toronto called Port Credit and it's very pretty and it's kind of, it's outside of Toronto, just outside. And I was like, oh, I'd love to live. This is where I want to live now and I've never had that before. Except (laughs) being in LA, that kind of, I was in Eagle Rock. So it was a little bit in between Pasadena and, 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 and Eagle Rock. So it was like kind of like that and
1: I- What's Eagle Rock like?
0: It's beautiful, man. It's uh, Eagle Rock is there. Apparently used to be an amazing punk rock club there. And, and uh, it's just above Highland Park if you've ever been to the Highland Park area. Yeah. So, you know, uh, there's um, like lots of great little diners and there's a place I used to like going to called, uh, it's called Marlowe's. And it was sort of an old local bar that just had a uh, piano. You know, people playing piano at it and and yeah. uh permanent records is not far. A lot of records. Oh, I I, I like Permanent
1: Records. I've been there.
0: Yeah, it's up the street from Gimme Gimme Records, Permanent yeah. Records, La Cuevita, um, lots of venues. The hi-hat is right by there. Uh so so it, I I liked it. I grew to really love it. And 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 there's really nice walks and and you know, Pasadena is this weird kind of Stefford wife feeling uh Place, but it's it's pretty beautiful too. So you know. I've never
1: spent any time in. Um, I've never spent any time in uh, uh, Pasadena at all. But my wife's cousins are from there.
0: Yeah, Pasadena is is strange. I was seeing a therapist over there, and sometimes I'd take like an hour and a half long walk to it, and it just seemed like kind of idyllic, but there was something off. I think it was a swingers' capital. Uh, and and also, don't forget that Jet Propulsion Labs is there, so there's some weird sort of military space stuff going on yeah. right under everyone's noses. So so yeah, I mean, and, and that's why that's always going to be why California fascinates me. It's just like <laughs> there's so much going on under the surface, you know? Yeah, I know. I know. But Next, yeah. Here? Oh, it's a cat. Oh yeah. my God! What's the kitty's name again? That's Skittles skittles is the best you held up skittles last how old is skittles
1: i think she's only she's gonna i think she's gonna be three soon i think she's if she's not three now she's she's gonna be three in like october or something like that
0: did you to adopt her as a kitten
1: no uh well she was she was about i guess about she must have been a little over six months old when we were living in 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 Brooklyn in our old place and uh, we had a backyard and one day we were hanging out back there and this, this kitten comes screaming down a tree, like screaming at us, like meowing from a tree, like really <laughs> cute. And I'm like, wow, look at that kitten It's coming right at us. And uh, she came down and we're just screaming at us. And we're like, she wouldn't let, her, let us pet her because mm-hmm. she was like, scared, but she just wanted to hang out. So, um, we got her food, we started feeding her outside, but she wouldn't let us pet her. She always wanted to hang out, but wouldn't let us pet her. And then um, I remember it was like late summer and she would come up to the window in the backyard and hit against the window screaming. <laughs> this is really funny. Like, <laughs> so uh, I realized that she probably wanted to get pet on like her own time. So like, I, I would go out in the morning and feed her and just sit down with my arms hanging down by the, uh, you right. know, the side so of So she it.
0: could get that smell going on, that Yeah, wrist. then
1: she'd start rubbing up against my hands and then she, she, uh, she liked to be pet after that. And then next thing you knew, we had her in the house and now she's out.
0: One of the things I miss the most about being away from uh, the place, uh, my usual place is just the cat is not here. So- you know, I'm just like, where's Manny? I want to pick him up and drape him over my shoulders and pat him, you know. And I can't. Actually, I have a few times when I've dropped stuff off, but you know, it's uh, it's uh, you know, we got Charlie. I got a little Iggy to, to yeah, that, you know. But but uh, yeah. So so then you found out that you were just after
1: Karen Black. Where did you go musically? Like what happened in '95? Well, um. In, in uh, during that time, like uh, starting in 93, I started doing a lot of production work. So, um, so during that time, I, uh, I also, I, I started playing drums a lot and um, I was playing in a bunch of different bands. Like I was start, starting all these different bands, playing drums and um, producing a lot of other bands. And um, and then uh, I produced the second Karen Black LP. And then uh, we did, I did one more tour with them in uh, 95, like a big summer, you know, besides the weekend shots and one week shots we would do. I would do, we did like a full seven week tour in 95. And then when I got home, I was kind of fed up. I wasn't really not into it anymore.
0: Seven weeks is a long time.
1: Well, that, that, that wasn't the problem. The to- touring, touring's rarely the problem for me. Touring, I'm, I'm good at that. It wasn't, it wasn't that. I just wasn't feeling the band. I felt like, I, I felt, and rightfully so, I was, I, was, I was, you know, it was true. It was going nowhere. Right. Was yeah. going, the band was going nowhere. We weren't, the band wasn't creating new and exciting music. Mm-hmm. I, the show wasn't going to get any better. Yeah. Like the show wasn't really going to change. Like you saw it once and it wasn't going to get any better. And um, so I was just done. You know, I was like, this is not, this is not moving forward for me musically. And it would be one thing if we were, if it was like a, you know, even if it wasn't moving forward musically, it'd be one thing if like evolutionary who's moving like forward as a show, you know, like the show, totally. was, you know, it was just the same thing over and over again.
0: That's very boring to play with him.
1: Oh yeah. 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 So, um, so I left the band and then, uh, I was, uh, hanging out a bunch over at Continental, you know, you played there, right? Continental. No,
0: we never got to play. I never even set foot in Continental. It, right. clo- it closed, uh, like, shortly after we started playing in New York, you know? So 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 I I was hanging
1: out there a lot. I'd been hanging out there a lot before then, even before Mm -hmm. then. So, Um, and then I became friends with um, the bartender, uh, became really good friends with Todd youth who who passed away. Yeah. Year ago. And um, he played in Murphy's law, you know, for many years. So he's like, why don't you play with us? And I'm like, okay. He's like, you he learn these songs and come down to rehearsal. And then, so I joined Murphy's Law. So I was in Murphy's Law for, um, I was in Murphy's Law for about a year and then quit and then kind of rejoined, like just to do uh, out of state, you know, like little tours, you know, one yeah. week, weekends, you know, stuff like that. So I was in and out of the band for like a two and a half years. And then during that time, you know, because I was in back in the hardcore scene and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, I started playing guitar with, um, crown of thorns.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: I played guitar with crown of thorns for a little while. And then, um, and then I just stopped, but I was going through some personal stuff too with music. I just wasn't, I, I just wasn't into anything anymore, you know, like, yeah. You know, uh, um, and then I kind of stopped playing for a while and uh, I was still producing records, but I, I kind of stopped playing for a while. And then, and then I started playing um, with some friends in and in I had a couple of friends who used to be in a band that i produced called Sweet Diesel. And then two of the guys from that band started a new project called uh, The Brut Low. And then I started playing with those guys. and. Um, Within like six months of playing with those guys, we did a demo, and then we were signed to TP Records from the demo. So then I produced. So I went into the studio for like a month, because um, not not a month complete because I we didn't have that kind of money to do these kind of records. Yes. I went into the for, to the same studio for a month because I I was recording the first Bad Wizard record. Oh, cool. And I was recording the first Brought Low record for, for TP records. Both of them were signed to TP. So we just knocked those out within a month of both those records. So, um, uh, and then because me working at the studio, it was the first time I worked with, uh, this studio engineer named Jesse Cannon. And, um, then that, that started my, uh, career with Jesse Cannon. So Jesse Cannon, not only became one of my best friends, but he—he, he, I, I, I would say, like, si- since then, since starting to work with him, I would say 90% or 95% of the work that I've done since then has been with Jesse Kent. As an,
0: an engineer?
1: As an engineer and a mixer, yeah.
0: So in terms of production, was that something that you were pursuing at NYU, or was NYU? No, no, not at, at all.
1: all. NYU, like, me for college, like, I didn't, I didn't really want to go to college at all. I didn't mm-hmm. care about college at all. The only reason I was going to college is because it was, I'm an only child and my, that was my, my parents' dream. You know, they, they spe- they saved all their money for me to go to college. Right. Complete waste of time and money. Not a complete waste of time, complete waste of money. Yes. But complete waste of time. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's things about college that I liked.
0: Sort of uh, Goldfish eating.
1: Goldfish <laughs> eating, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff but telephone
0: uh telephone stuffing yeah. telephone booth stuffing <laughs>
1: yeah exactly exactly car to the beer store you know kind of right. like, that kind of you know like I, I really wasn't interested in college at all but i went i you know uh and i i just i just you know my goal for college was to get in and out of it as fast as possible yeah with, did, with, with satisfying my parents with a degree.
0: I did not manage to meet that requirement. I had a similar thing. My parents had there was some money and then I just went for a few months and I was like, I don't know what I'm do. And then yeah. it was gone, you know, so.
1: Yeah, my, my parents uh, my parents wouldn't accept that. I wish my parents had
0: not <laughs> accepted that, but they yeah. seem to accept it and uh, here I am perched on a floor
1: (laughs) looking up at you yeah but um you know i i i probably would have really uh appreciated college more if i'd taken time off and went back
0: i that was my take i went immediately from high school and it just didn't work yeah to me
1: it was like 13th grade so it was like it didn't mean anything to me so um yeah it was kind of a, a waste of money and a lot of waste of money, a lot of waste of time, but- uh, um, Water but, under the bridge, yeah, I didn't go to, I didn't, Obviously, I didn't go to college for, for that, you know. I didn't yeah. go to college for, for music at all. How
0: did you get into production then? And what does producing a Dean Rispler, let's say I go, hey man, you want to produce my stand-up album? <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> I've never produced a, a record like that, but I mean, uh, as far as, what happened with me is that, um, it's kind of a roundabout situation, but what happened with me is I, I went into the studio in 92 with um, the voluptuous horror of Karen Black to do uh, a record. And it was uh, at the studio called Loho Studios that doesn't exist anymore down on, in, uh, near Chinatown. Mm-hmm. And um, we went into the studio to record with uh that producer was andy shernoff from Dictator. yeah so uh we went in and um he was working on the record and while i was watching and listening i was like wow this is really cool i would i think i'd be good at doing something like this you know as at production not not so much as engineering because i never really engineered too much i'm really more producer So I I said, I I could probably do this. And then um, uh, about six months later, I brought in one of the bands I was playing with. And I went in with another band that I was friends with and produced a couple of singles. And uh, those came out pretty cool. And then my friends in that band, Sweet Diesel, were like, we really like this stuff. Why don't you come in and produce our record? Why don't you come in and produce our demo? We went in and did like five songs and brought the demo to uh, Bill Wilson over at Blackout Records, and he loved it, and he was like, yeah, let's go in and finish this record. Will we'll you, know, And so we used those tracks from the demo, and uh, we went in and... Cat's uh, knocking shit over. That's what so I thought. In. So then we went in and... Um, that was it we that was that was the, the blackout record the, the sweet diesel record was the first record that i ever got paid for to do as a producer and it was the first full-length record i ever done so i uh, went and did that and um and uh and that was that started you know then i started working with a bunch of bands
0: and in in the in the process of that were you just sort of like giving sort of songwriting polish tips and you know uh, sort of gauging takes and mixes and all that. Uh, well,
1: well, um, well, the thing is, I'm moving you over here because it's too loud over there, but um, the oh, thing cool. is like, um, when I first started, I was more of a hands-off producer as far as, you know, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. So uh, I was more of a hand, I wasn't so much hands-on as far as the songwriting goes like the band came in with songs and i was like okay let's just try and get the best takes from this yeah yeah. And the best you know what what i thought sounded the best and the best performances and whatnot and then the more i learned my craft the more i realized i was like oh yeah you, you know i'm here i am recording all this stuff and it doesn't matter how good it sounds if the song's not good <laughs> <laughs> so i mean i can't you know not you know, as we know, even the best some of the best bands they put out songs that we don't remember or that are not that memorable. It's just yeah. not you can't, you can't knock them all out of the park, you know. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, even guys who are like gifted at writing tons of great songs, they're always going to have songs that like just don't go anywhere. You know, maybe it goes for some fan, you know, but as far as like a, a, not going to write every and not every song is going to be a hit, you know, you have guys like John Fogarty and Tom Petty and you know you know, Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan <laughs> Sam cook, uh, you know, Prince, you know, like yeah. guys, these are guys that like, they wrote a, a million songs and they're not yeah. all going to be hits. Right. So, but right. those guys are really gifted, but a regular band, you know, so, you know, so, so I started being like, listen, this doesn't, this part doesn't make any sense. You know, we got to get rid of this, or this part's really cool. You got to have more of this. So, so the more I got into songwriting myself, or understanding songwriting, the more I got aggressive with trying to change, trying to change or help create what what the bands are putting out. So yeah,
0: that's that's a cool change. That's And the other cool thing is when you were down on music, mm-hmm. you, know, you did keep producing, which yeah. I think is so important when we get sick of stuff to kind of keep at least like a fingertip or, or more in just, what you do enjoy about it you know yeah. just because for, it's like another seed after a, you know it's like it's like when a plant is just like really super wilted but it's getting the, you know something and it's slowly growing back you know yeah. or fast if you use something called miracle grow
1: yeah i mean helpful i i mean it, it's it's for me that whole situation i, I had a, a couple a couple of Times in my life that were um, that were really dark personal times that I that I didn't that I really fell out of love with playing and music and stuff. Yeah, and it was. It's, I mean, there's all these the shoulda woulda coulda kind of things that people say, but when it comes right down to it, I'm I'm still really angry with myself that I didn't. Keep playing and keep pursuing my own personal stuff because I, I, I think the more I look back on it I see, I see how how stupid it was. It's one thing to be depressed and not want to do stuff, but um, it like I wasted a lot of time like not doing stuff. And you
0: know? oh well, yeah, I I understand that yeah. that feeling. You know, I mean, I, I, I just think you know we do what we do. You know you've done a lot of great stuff man you're doing a lot of great stuff you got a home studio over there
1: no a matter of fact right now as we speak i never had a home studio ever Mm -hmm. even as long as i've been doing records i never had a home studio the only home recording i've ever done is uh i've done some keyboard stuff on records at home that jesse's led me through uh, I've done them on Pro Tools, and then I just send it to him, and he put, you know, he 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 makes sure everything's cool. But this, a matter of fact, yesterday I bought a uh, a system, a little system to start doing. Um, it's not here yet, but I bought a little system to start doing recording at home because I've never done that even as long as long as I've been doing recording and producing, I've never done that because I I, I always just went to the studio.
0: See, that's that's awesome. Like this yeah. is this is the thing. Is just you know. I totally understand that it, there's, in life, you know, we're always going to have the woulda, coulda, shoulda, even when we try to not, when we don't have that in a lot of things, there's often going to be one or two things that we're just like, ah, shit. You know, stuff affects me very personally as well. It uh, ties with, man, you know, like right now, if you're doing it, well, what, you know, it seems like, oh, that was 20 years, but it's like, but you're doing it right now you know, now you're taking the chance to fucking do it. And you got, you know, some time before you're 60, the whole (laughs) thing, the you know, the self-destruct button is pressed to put out, whatever. And, you know, I mean, there's no question you're more experienced now that you're more familiar with tons of different types of songs, types of sounds, you know, so um, I do hear that though. I mean, when, even with like brutal nights when we broke up, I'm just like God. Like, couldn't we have done something more? Like, I was so dumb to do this, or I was so. Why did I let this happen? Or you know, why? Why did I take this so personally? You know, yeah. why did I try to lash out this way? You know, it's like bands. Bands or music is almost built for regrets because you wind up creating something um, concrete that you cannot change most of the time, unless you're say Iggy Pop doing the stooges you know remix remaster and stuff but 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 the 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 bulk of it you know you can't really change so so it's like it's it's really built for being like did i choose was it was it right was it wrong and then it's like you know in the end some kid in indiana is listening to something you did 22 years ago and kind of getting inspired from it you know Mm. So whether it's one kid or a thousand, it's like, it still happened and it's still important, you know? So that's, oh. that's my indie call to arms, you know?
1: <laughs> I like that.
0: <laughs> Thanks, man. Awesome. I'm glad we're talking today too. Cause yesterday I was all like, and today I'm kind of <laughs> like sitting cross-legged Zen. My girlfriend played tennis today. So I feel like I vicariously played tennis. She played <laughs> tennis against a wall.
1: That's but, good,
0: no. You know, yeah. So I don't know. Um, I think, I don't know. I think we're cool. You know, like every once in a while, I think I'll get together with you and just make you tell me the next few years of your life. Okay. <laughs> fine. So, I I'm totally down with it. I loved our talk, our general talk last week. Yeah. So, yeah. Just, you know, let me know if you want to fucking vent and, and I'll throw you on. And Absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll hit you up too. But is, is there anything you wanted to sort of say? before the end of our besides thank you yes oh
1: well well thank you very much besides that um i guess not i mean the only other thing that i'm really working on i still doing the gimme radio thing and uh which is going well it's gimme metal now with the gimme metal thing so i'm doing that and and that's been going really well and other than that uh which taint which taint i mean we're not Really working? Some. I mean, those guys are working. They're putting out videos, but I'm I'm going to be adding to. We're putting out a video soon for a song called Viking Heaven. So I have to. But we're actually all personally re-recording our parts at home.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm going to be doing that, and then then filming like a video part, my part of the video in it. It's going to be pretty funny. I'm sure, because it's, it's Tane, Everything's always oh, funny.
0: Yeah, I can't wait. That sounds
1: awesome. You saw that last Witch Chain video, right? Yeah, yeah. It was great. So Which one? The one with Satan? No, no. The, le- the latest one for changes. Oh,
0: um, no, I didn't actually get to check that oh, out because yeah. I was so, uh, yeah, I got to watch this right no, after.
1: It's, it's ridiculous. It's this
0: is ridiculous. the story of my life. I'm like, Dean, this is great. It's going to give me a chance to watch your video because we rescheduled. And then it's like, next thing you know, it's the day of and I'm like.
1: All right. It happens. I understand.
0: Things happen. Life I, happens.
1: I understand. Oh. Well, Dean,
0: thank you so much for
1: coming. Well, thank you. Here so I stuff. will I will speak to you soon.
0: Hell yeah. Hell Bye. yeah. Yeah. Bye. That would be great.
1: And I'll take care. Thank you.
0: Thank you, man. Take care. I'll see you Yeah. Soon. See you soon, Dean. And that was Dean Rispler. Our second chat. Maybe there'll be more. I like talking to Dean. I find his voice soothing. And you know, I miss hanging out with him. I was thinking about this today. I miss, I miss you know, California. First of all, I miss having a tan and only finding that out when I leave that area of the world, and then people say, wow, you have a tan. I feel really cool. But I miss my friends in California, and I miss my friends in New York, and I miss my friends in Germany, and... Uh I know you probably miss people too that you can't see. So let it be known that we are all feeling this and if you have any ideas what I can do with my life, email weekly at gmail dot com. D d weekly at gmail dot com. W E A K L Y podcast at gmail dot com. Feel free to go back into the archives if you enjoy this as well. We've got great talks with my friend Mike Gribben, one of uh my oldest buddies, and uh, we talk about a lot of really cool stuff there. And you can go all the way back. I had an awesome talk with Aisha Brown about R. Kelly. The sound is probably not good, but, and, you know, Gilson Lubin is another great comic I talked to here, and we, we discussed our uh, friend, the late McCasey Arthur. Just a little thing if you've got nothing to do, uh, some stuff you can go into the archives for. All right. Find Dean Rispler at Gimme Metal. Radio. Check out Witch Taint. Check out all the bands he mentioned in the podcast being on. And um, yeah, stay safe. Be cool. Oh, man. Nick. Oh, Flanagan. Oh, oh, man. Nick Flanagan Weekly. Nick Flanagan Weekly.